Hi, you're listening to another Tom and his podcast. I'm sorry it's been so long since I last recorded anything, but I've just been really busy. Um, I promise in the future I will record more shows, both interviews and maybe some musings and ramblings. Although I don't really know if anybody would be interested in musings and ramblings, especially mine. But um, the iTunes description does say that I will muse and ramble, so maybe at some point I will get around to that. However, this interview is with Heather Stradling, who is the director at Zinc, which is an arts organisation in Essex. Um, it focuses on engaging disabled people with arts, and I think is a really worthwhile venture. Um, I was at Zinc for an Arts Award Youth Network Leadership Residential, but I'll possibly talk about that a bit more at the end of the interview. However, here's the interview. Enjoy. So, hi, you are listening to another Tom Innes podcast, and this is a unique one because I'm actually at an Arts Award Residential with the Youth Network Leadership Team. Um, hello, everyone. Hello. Yeah, so this is an audience environment, and it's really scary. Um, we are in Essex, we are at Zinc, and I am with the director of Zinc, Heather Stradling, so hello. Hello, welcome to Zinc. Yeah, uh, it's really quite a nice venue actually. Um, accommodation is the best I've stayed in with Youth Network, which is always a plus point. Yeah, it's um, so we are going to discuss today your role within Zinc. Um, obviously already I've said you're the director, but I first of all wanted to sort of ask you to introduce yourself a bit and offer some background with your arts history. Mm. Um, yeah, well, my name's Heather Stradling, and at Sync is an organisation that we're an arts organisation. We specialise in working with young people, children, and adults who are disabled or experience other forms of exclusion, whatever that might be. Looked after young people, um, a whole variety of groups, and we deliver lots of activities, ongoing programmes, short tasters. And we also run residentials, obviously. We've got a residential centre. And a big part for us is about providing pathways for people. So either through the arts, or if people want careers in the arts, then we provide opportunities for them to develop and reach their full potential. Cool. Um, you mentioned um, sort of combating exclusion. And I thought if we could just quickly discuss your role with the... Um which awesome job title of Inclusion and Regeneration Project Manager at Momentum Arts. Um, what yeah. did you do there? Yeah, that, I mean, that was a brilliant post, actually. I really enjoyed it um, because I'd gone through a whole journey in terms of working in the arts and working in areas where there was lots of exclusion, lots of um, real differences between people who had access to opportunities and those that didn't. And when I went to work at Momentum, my job was to fundraise, develop and manage a programme of arts regeneration with young people in South End, in Essex. And it was a four-year programme, and it really supported a lot of young people to get the skills they needed to progress. And I'm really proud of that piece of work because when I go to South End now, people still talk about it and talk about their experience. And there are young people who took part in that programme who have been able to develop as a result of it. Okay, so you think you, you, this is obviously like a big deal for you, and do you think that there is genuine progress being made in inclusion? Um, yeah, I think there have been there have been changes, and I think that sometimes you think that you're really getting somewhere, and other times you think that it's still a bit of a struggle, and there's still a lot of work to do. And I think there's always going to be work to do, and we're definitely not there yet. But there have been some improvements, and just experiences like having the Paralympics 
ceremony this summer. I think that in itself would have been a real positive thing about showing what disabled people can do and focusing on what people can do rather than what they can't do. Um, so, so things like that have been really positive. But obviously when you've got a challenging financial climate mm. and things are getting tougher for people, then you're finding that there are more people who may be um, slipping through the net and are not getting the support. So I think there's going to be big challenges for us in the years ahead. Okay, and um, when you say us, I assume you mean sort of like the arts organisations and that kind of thing. Yeah, but and I think, I mean, everyone really. I think, you know, society in general, I think as arts organisations, we're very much based in the society that we work in, and we have to work with lots of other agencies as well. So we don't work in isolation. We have to work with people like social care services, mental health services, um, government departments of different kinds. And so you need to have a good idea about what's going on in the rest of the world so that as an arts organisation you can make sure that you're still relevant to what's going on. And um, I really didn't want to touch on this, but do you feel that the government is doing enough to support you? in your um, quest for social inclusion, or are they kind of...? I think it's always a, a challenge, and um, without wanting to be, um, you know, party political in any way, oh, I think no, that we are, in a unique, we are in a unique um, climate at the moment where there have been a range of international issues as well as um, national issues, and I think that... Um, I think there's going to be there's going to be some big... Uh, you know, there could be some big problems ahead, because... Um, as people are now going to be experiencing the cuts that have been brought in, we're going to find out what that means for the reality of people. So I think it is going to be a challenge. Um, but we all have to, you know, we've been in difficult times beforehand and it's about how we're innovative and how we find new ways of approaching those challenges so that, you know, the work still happens and the importance of artwork is not lost amongst mm. everything. Well, um I think Zinc is doing quite a lot to sort of improve the situation, and I will start talking about Zinc in a minute, but um, I also want to talk about Turning the Tide, yeah. um, your book, which mm. was published in 2007? Yes, it was, okay, in 2007. I can't remember if I made that up, but 2007, <laughs> what was that about? And well, what that was about was because um, historically arts organisations are really used to having very, very small budgets, having no money and having to make the best out of it. And that was the time when we were able to bring in quite large chunks of money, so European money, local authority money, government money together. And so that's kind of a new thing, and it was then a new thing for arts organisations to be dealing with quite large budgets, to be dealing with wider regeneration issues. And so it was felt that a book that kind of told people really how to do it, giving people tips of how to manage those kind of programmes, sharing some of the lessons that we learnt, some of the challenges that we faced, and then what we did to solve the problems um, would be really useful to people. And it's great that I know that it's being used in some of the higher education institutions who are teaching people to go out there and work in the arts with different groups. Um, so that was really the kind of intention behind it. And also to have a bit of a legacy of that programme, because it was such a successful programme, it was to kind of make sure that wasn't lost. And everyone when they start a new project they don't have to start from scratch they can actually learn from what we did okay so it's legacy and transferable skills are kind of the um, takeaway point from the mm -hmm. book so if we continue on that theme we have now arrived at zinc um you came here as the head of creative education and learning when it was called theater resources that's right well i mean there's a bit of an interesting story about my journey as a career because i actually came to work for Theatre Resources it was then in 1997 
and I did a maternity cover and then did a temporary part-time contract and working with the organisation. So I started with the organisation all those years ago and then I went away after about a year and a half and I worked for other organisations, developed my career and then I came back again as Head of Education and Learning yeah, in 2000 and 2008, 9. Um, so yes, so then I've been doing that job since then. Okay, and um, so you've moved from the Head of Creative Education and Learning to becoming a director, yeah. the director. Mm -hmm. um, what does your job entail now? Um, well, it's a whole range of um, responsibilities. So I have responsibility, I have overall responsibility for the day-to-day -day running of the organisation, and that's basically what the director means. Um, so the boards of trustees delegate to me responsibilities and I have to make sure that the organisation is running smoothly, that the staff are happy, so I'm in charge of kind of human resources, the personnel side of things, and in charge of the legalities, making sure that we're doing everything that we should be doing legally. Um, finances, so I've kind of improved my skills a lot in terms of um, organisational financial management um, and also develop programmes, I do fundraising um, and are part of local partnerships and regional and national partnerships as well um, so I work with other organisations develop new programmes and get those programmes started as well so that's a snapshot but there's, there is more, there's lots involved in that job <laughs> Well um... I, I don't even really know where to touch on that because it feels like we could probably talk for hours on your <laughs> role. So we um, will move on, if that's okay, to um, the disability arts. Mm. Um, now, I learned last night when I was internet stalking you that you can do um, sign language. I can. To level three. Um, yes. Was that difficult to learn? It is difficult, yeah, because it is a whole new language with a whole new structure. And what I decided when I first started out, because I come from a, a dance and drama background originally, and when I started running activities with people, I wanted to be able to um, communicate with everyone who came to my classes. And so I thought, well, learning sign language would be really good. So over a period of years, I gradually learned sign language, developed my skills, and then I decided I'd give it a go and go a bit stage further. So I got my, um, well, worked towards my level three and then got some work as a sign language interpreter performer. And um, so I went on a tour where um, I, was, I was as much a performer as everyone else in the piece, so I had to kind of rehearse where I was on stage and, and my role within the piece, but also um, had to obviously interpret it too. Um, so I had lots of support from other interpreters and deaf people from making sure that we interpret it right. Um, but it was a brilliant experience, really great fun to do. Um, but, yeah, really hard work. And um, I wouldn't say that I'm a specialist in sign language at all because I'm still learning. And, yeah, mm. lots of improvements. <laughs> um, so do, does your um, competency... Competency? Your competence in sign language help you with your day-to-day -day running of um, supporting disabled people and the disabled community at Zinc? I think it does. I think it does in a number of ways. One is that we've got a number of staff in our organisation who can sign to different levels, so I think it is welcoming to people. And if someone was walking off the street and they could sign, then one of us would be able to go and communicate with them. So that's an instant kind of instant access for people coming into our building. Um, and also... I think because sign language is such an expressive form of communication that it helps you develop your expressiveness. So even if you're communicating with someone who um, maybe isn't deaf, 
but maybe who responds a lot to visual communication and don't rely so much on words, then it's really helpful to be thinking about how you're expressing things you know, visually as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's been really helpful. And good to learn about um, differences in language and culture as well, so it's getting an understanding about deaf culture and the, and the differences between that and hearing culture. Yeah. Um, so is Zinc able to accommodate several different kinds of disability, not just deaf, I mean, maybe physical? Or... Yeah, we do. We're, we're specialised in um, running projects with people with any form of impairment or disability. So we run short breaks activities for young people with profound and multiple complex disabilities. Um, so we do lots of multi-sensory work um, with those groups. We do a lot of work with young people with autism um, and also people with a um, variety of different learning disabilities, blind and visually impaired people. So really the whole, the whole kind of... Um, kind of all of the areas that someone might have a you know, disability, we will work, and that's what we specialise in. Awesome. And um, do the young people who you work with, do they um, go through an arts award here? Are you arts award? Um, they can do. So we have had some projects where we've delivered arts award, and what we're actually at the point of is we want to be doing some more arts award over the next year as well. And because Arts Award have, has developed and it's broadened in terms of um, who can access it, you know, because it goes down to primary age now. And I've also had conversations with people about how we might be able to use Arts Award really well with some of our participants who are young adults with learning disabilities. So that's something that we're exploring at the moment. But we have done Arts Award in the past and it's worked really, really well. Okay. And um, do you think it's worthwhile for yeah. these young people? Definitely, definitely, because not only does it enable you to kind of um, do some research and explore your own skills and develop your skills, but also it gives you credits that are then can be used elsewhere and that other people will recognise, so that all helps to your general education as well. Yeah, um, because I've noticed on your LinkedIn profile, um, that's, that's as in-depth as I went, that you are um, really highly educated and you have quite a lot of... Um, degrees and obviously your sign language as well. Do you feel that education is becoming increasingly important to maybe access the arts or to progress anywhere or do you feel that there is still opportunity for people outside of education? Um, yeah, I mean I think there are always opportunities outside formal education and if people don't find their route through formal education there are always other ways of doing it and so what I would say to people is never give up if you are really struggling with the formal education route but I mean, I do believe strongly in education and the value of education, and that although it, it is hard work, um, what you get out of it is really worthwhile. And yeah, I'm taking part in a course part time myself now. I kind of constantly enjoy learning, and I think in this world you have to be prepared to consistently brush up your skills, learn new things, because the world is always changing. So to be ready for that, you need to find ways of learning. But it's not all in a classroom, and it doesn't have to be in a classroom. So people need to find the route that's best for them, because I think you can progress by finding what works for you. I think actually that is probably a really great way to end this interview. Thank you. Um, I'm going to deviate completely from the schedule. I'm going to throw this out to the Youth Network Leadership Team, I'm going to say, is there any questions that anybody would like to ask Heather while we have the fantastic opportunity of being able to talk to her? What experience do you think somebody would need in order to progress into the role that you now have? What kind of skills have you acquired along the way that you think have helped you 
get to the point in your career where you are now? And what kind of things do you think somebody that may be looking to follow that should be looking at doing? Yeah, I mean, I think my career's been quite varied, and I've, I guess, my longest job to date has lasted four years, and I think there's something about not getting too stuck in the same place and the same role, and to make sure that you're always looking for new opportunities to learn new skills, and also not to be frightened of areas that you're not specialised in. So I don't know about you, but where I, when I grew up, I grew up... Um, feeling not very good at maths, not very good at that side of things and thinking that was an area that I couldn't step into and I wouldn't be any good at it. But when you're working in, in the arts as in anywhere else, you're managing budgets, you know, you're managing budgets in your everyday life about how you make ends meet. Um, and so it's not to be frightened of those things because I have had myself thrown in at the deep end in certain cases with budgets and I thought, oh, I don't know how I'm going to manage that. And you just build your skills and you learn and you have to kind of go for it and then actually surprise yourself and think, hang on a sec, I wasn't good at maths at school, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I can't do maths and that I'm actually not, I don't have a skill in maths. You know, so I think that's one thing. Um, so lots of different experiences, a mixture of being freelance and having employment contracts as well. So I kind of worked with a lot of different organisations and that's helped. Um, and I think a, there's a sort of thing about being a bit of a generalist. So in terms of management, so I've come from a, a practical background. I used to run activities myself with different groups and young people. I used to choreograph pieces, performed myself as well. Um, but also if you've got kind of general good communication skills, if you've got good skills in terms of you know, writing, communication as well, you can build on those things and then you can find yourselves in jobs like this because, you know, a fundraising application, that's about literacy skills, that's about, you know, developing your ability to sell a project. So you can build those skills through experience and what I would say is that I've always looked for opportunities to take that bit of extra responsibility to take on something. So if I was in a job which didn't involve fundraising, I found myself saying, well, actually, I'd like to do a bit of fundraising. Can I have that opportunity? And then you start building your record in that area. So it's, yeah, kind of... But I don't think it's easy in this field because you might not... You probably have noticed there's a... Uh, there's not a clear career path in the arts. So you kind of have to find your own way. And I think just eating up as many different experiences as possible, I think that's, where, that's how I've got to this position today. Um, is there time for one more question? Is there one more question? <laughs> well, I have a question of um, what do you think your biggest challenge is on a day-to-day basis running an organisation like Zinc? Um, the biggest challenge is probably workload, and I think that will probably be the same for a lot of other organisations as well, because there's never enough staff. We're not, um, you know, a large corporate company where we can have a, you know, full marketing department, a finance department and so on. And so there is a requirement for people who've got particular skills to generalise. And that's what I was, I was saying about generalising beforehand. So workload, I think, is the key. And for me, it's just about prioritising and getting really good at prioritising and being quite, in some cases, quite ruthless about actually, although I want to spend some time doing this, it's not my priority and focusing on the things that are... Um, so yeah, I think that is fantastic. Um, do you want to quickly just run through the list of like online 
websites, Twitter maybe, that the Zinc has or you personally have if you're feeling a bit more? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we have our website, which is www.zincarts.org.uk. Um, we've got our Twitter account, which is at ZincArts, all one word. I've got my Twitter account, which I, I'm trying to get better at using, so maybe you can actually help me with how I can get better at social media. Um, and I'm at Heather Stradling. And, um, and we've also got our Facebook page, so you can find us on Facebook. And we've also got a Flickr page too. Flickr. <laughs> it's coming up. I thought it was dead, but um, thank you very we've much. Got, we've got photos there you can look at. Uh, awesome. Well, thank you very much for this interview. And thank you. Good luck with continuing the social inclusion and helping disabled people. Thank you, and good luck with all of you and your future ventures. So that was the interview of Heather Stradling, director of Zinc. I hope you agree with me in thinking that Zinc is an arts organisation that provides really valuable work to the community and engaging disabled people with the arts. So if you live in Essex, maybe you can pop down and see how you can support them. I said at the beginning that I would talk a bit about Arts Youth Network Leadership, um, which is an arts award initiative, and I tried to think how I would best describe it. But I can't just sort of ad-lib a description, so I have had to write it down, so you might be able to tell what I'm reading slightly. But the definition I've got for the youth network leadership is a group of young people who actively engage with arts centres, arts award advisors and the wider public to promote and advance the arts award message. And I think that kind of encapsulates what we are about, but if you want more information about arts award, then you can go to the website artsaward.org.uk. Or alternatively, if you are a young person, you can sign up to artsawardvoice.com, which is Arts Awards magazine, but it's a magazine for young people, run by young people. I myself am a sub-editor, and I can vouch to say that there is a ton of amazing content up there. We've got interviews, we've got um, articles, how-to guides, everything like that on there, so if you are interested in that kind of thing and if you enjoy my podcast then you should definitely sign up because the podcasts and videos are now also going to be going up on Arts Award Voice. As I'm employed by Arts Award Voice to be a sub-editor I have given creative license for my podcast to go on the website as well providing that um, I'm interviewing arts professionals so it's just another way that you can access my content and content provided by young people across the country because honestly we have got some incredible talent in this country that just don't get recognition i feel i've rambled on enough so maybe you can see this as a ramble or a muse i don't know but you know the usual drill subscribe to my podcast on itunes if you haven't rate it give it five stars if you want and say something nice um, and now I can also add the message of sign up to Answer Award Voice. So thanks for listening, and hopefully it won't be so long before I can talk to you again. Bye.